Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Care Inspectorate's podcast on Meaningful Connection. My name is Barbara Lawson and I'm joined today by my colleague Sherry Kerr. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about meaningful connection and how that can be enhanced through positive peer relationships. So, Sherry, um, I know we both were involved in the work on the literature review as we started the Anne's Law project and some of the findings, you know, really struck home to us about how relationships and care homes could be enhanced when there was that intentional focus on peer relationships. I'm wondering if you can, you know, maybe what what struck you um, just with the with the literature review findings? So as you just said, really, I guess one of the things that came out of the literature review was how much friendships between people within care homes it could be really enriching to people's lives. And a lot of people who were interviewed as part of the research kind of said that they would like more opportunities to form friendships with their peers. But often this wasn't something that really happened or that was perhaps given a high priority by the care home staff. And this was also something that came up during the visits that we've been doing to chat to people in services. So I know that, you know, I've seen some really great examples where people have developed friendships that really enhance their day to day lives, but other people didn't necessarily always have that experience. And obviously, one of the things that we know from research is that loneliness and social isolation is a really huge issue for a lot of people in care homes and has those profound effects on people's health and well-being. So I guess, you know, supporting positive peer relationships when that's what people want is one way of addressing that and, you know, can really potentially improve people's quality of life and really help people to get the best out of life. I think it was just about how um, small measures can make such an impact on people's lives. Um, And I know one of the things that people highlighted um, in the research, but also um, as we've been doing the visits, is sometimes people don't know who their neighbour is. So they could be in adjacent rooms or with um, opposite somebody um, in a corridor, and they actually don't know who these people are. and you know just a small thing that staff can do is just intentionally making sure that they're introducing neighbors to each other um, so that they can become familiar but also just looking at like interests um, things that people might have shared interests or things in common and how staff can you know start to pair up you know people or develop small interest groups and um, for example it could be an activity like knitting or dominoes or even just reminiscing about cooking it could be something small and um, like that but it can make such an impact on people's lives and just really enrich their day-to-day experiences so although you know, some of these things can be um, quite simple. What do you think some of the barriers could be for staff to facilitate peer relationships? 
Yeah, so there were quite a few um, potential barriers um, to that. I guess one of the major things would be where people have sensory or cognitive impairments that can really affect their ability to communicate. Um, so, you know, for instance, even a, a mild hearing impairment has been shown to significantly impact on people's social functioning. And those kinds of things can result in people isolating themselves, even though that might not be what they really want. Um, so, yeah, finding out about what barriers people might individually be experiencing and trying to find ways of addressing them and you know not making assumptions uh, that maybe somebody doesn't want to interact just because maybe that they're you know they maybe seem like they're not making the effort to do that you know just trying to um, address some of those barriers can really help to improve people's quality of life because one thing we know is that if people are treated as though they're incapable of communication or as in of interaction that is likely to become a vicious circle um, the culture of the service, that can also be a big factor. So if connection is not valued as highly, for instance, as, you know, carrying out physical tasks and keeping to staff routines, again, it's unlikely that people will be getting the best out of life. And that reminds me of people that maybe start to isolate themselves in their bedrooms at mealtimes and really the impact that that can have on people's general well-being but also their nutritional intake um, and it could be something as simple as people not being supported with their sensory impairment like not having the right glasses on um, because I know many care home residents now when they're using um, like vision services in care homes, people are often prescribed two different types of glasses. So they could have a distance glass and also uh, reading glasses rather than have the very focals. And I know many of the services now, they kind of tag them either with, it could be for an example, a red for distance or a white for reading and just making sure that people know what glasses people are wearing because I remember the first time I started reading um, needing reading glasses and I had been eating a meal and I'd put the reading glasses on and I was amazed at how good the food looked when I actually had my glasses on so I'm thinking for somebody with dementia or somebody with an impairment you know that staff supporting people with the right type of glasses can make all the difference and for conversations at the tables as well, making sure that the hearing aids and that they're maybe sitting with people with um, like, um, like interests or um, being at a similar level on their dementia journey. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that, Barbara, about mealtimes, because as you, you know, as you touched upon there, mealtimes are a really good opportunity for social interaction of people to get to know each other. And, you know, another thing that we that we know from research is that that increased social engagement does result in better nutritional intake. So, yeah, you know, like you say, um, think about where people sit, um, maybe about you know, if you can involve people who are able and willing in activities like setting the table or, you know, dishing out food and drinks or collecting plates, that sort of thing, that can really encourage interaction and also help support people's personhood and sense of self-worth. I suppose it's just about kind of seeing mealtimes as also as that opportunity 
for social connection as well as you know just a time to kind of you know get people's kind of nutritional intake yeah, that sounds, um, you know, lots of kind of good ideas there. But I suppose that wouldn't suit everybody um, in a care home. Obviously, some people are not able to do that type of thing if they've got reduced mobility. So how do you think services can support a kind of person-centred approach? Yeah, so I think one of the things that's really important is that, you know, it's it's not one size fits all. You know, we've all got our own particular needs or in particular preferences for connection and some people prefer their own company you know other people thrive on being with other people so finding out about what people's needs and preferences are you know how do they like to communicate do they prefer being in groups or being in one-to-one you know do they like to be alone but still want opportunities to connect with other people from time to time things like that are all really important and you know making sure that we have that information and that we know about that that we record it in people's person-centered care plans and making sure that people know how to support those needs and preferences in day-to-day practice um i mean another way of kind of promoting social interaction i guess would be through activities um, and one of the things that's come out of research is that participatory arts activities like making music, um, seated dance, um, you know creative arts, reminiscence activities that has been shown to be a really good way of promoting interaction between people especially when people have that opportunity to to support and encourage each other in learning something new or doing something fun and some services have made really good use of external organisations to come in and do that and to run groups or to train staff to run groups and found that that's, you know, had a really beneficial impact on the people who, who, who use the service. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose the environment um, plays a big part in that. And what I'm thinking a bit about there is maybe like the layout of a lounge. Um, you know, how maybe facilitating conversations or small groups um, in, you know, small kind of subsections in a large lounge rather than having people all right round the outside of a lounge, um, you know, to really be mindful about that. Um, I'm not sure if you've come across that in the, the research. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, think you know, just things like considering the layout of the of the care home, like you're saying, you know, how are the, how are the chairs arranged? Does the environment make it conducive for people to, to chat to each other one to one or in small groups? You know, for instance, are the different seating areas throughout the service which people have opportunities to use? And I've certainly seen this, you know, in practice in some of the visits that have been doing to care homes where people would maybe gather in certain places you know in, in small groups um you know other indoor and outdoor spaces that people have the opportunities to use um you know does the environment like the noise level is that conducive um to people who maybe aren't hearing as well um just thinking about all those things and what you know maybe what changes can be made or what can be put in place just to kind of maximize those opportunities for people to spend that sort of time together and get to know each other so what i'm reminded of there you know thinking about the lounge experience is when people um as people have described that they their friends disappear from a lounge and that could be because they've taken unwell um or 
you know they're not able to come through to the lounge maybe they're um, now reliant on staff for their mobility or they're having to spend time in bed because they're unwell and that somebody who they would frequently see in a lounge or at the dining room that they're just not able to to join in and one of the things that people told us that was important is that they have the opportunity you know whether that would be to go along um, and say hello maybe could they then facilitate that friendship to continue in you know by visiting them in their bedroom obviously if their health needs and the condition you know supported that um, if that's what people wanted um, and it was something you know that staff could do just really valuing you know the importance of friendships and you know people do experience you know loss and grief in care homes that when people are no longer present in their lives whether you know for different reasons that it's important that staff are mindful of that and support you know that transition as people's needs change um, you know so staff being aware and responding to the change in people is also important and I'm just thinking now about how that could be incorporated into a personal plan I'm not sure if you've got any ideas there Sherry. Yeah um, because it's not just about making relationships is it like you say it's also about sustaining them when situations change so I guess you know it's important for um, the personal plans are kind of include all that information about the relationships that are important to people um, and, you know, how those can be supported. And certainly seen some examples of this um, when we've been visiting services, you know, for instance, um, to people that were maybe no longer able to independently mobilise and spend time together. So staff would support the one lady to go along to the other lady's room and, you know, have that time that they that, that they were used to spending together. Um, and just support that relationship you know and it's 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 an easy thing to do it doesn't take long just to take somebody along there but you know it does depend on kind of knowing that that's what's that's important and I suppose just having that information um there to you know just to know that um, that's something that can really make a big difference to that person's life just to be able to sustain that relationship yeah, um, and I suppose find then finding out really about people's choices, about people's desires, people's wishes, you know, and it might be that two people have a, a dream or people talk about a bucket list, isn't it? They might have, um, they might both want to do something, you know, and maybe that could be a shared experience that, you know, by taking that kind of creative approach to finding out what's important to people or key things that these types of things could then be matched up. Um, I was in a service as part of our visits and the manager had told us that what they did was like a mind map and they had a big piece of paper on for, it was for one resident at a time and during a couple of days all the staff would find, you know, put up what information they knew about the person onto this big piece of paper and that was then included into people's personal plans and it was amazing, like totally random facts about people um, housekeeping staff being involved in that as well because they have different relationships with people but all of that information was gleaned and then provided really personal information about people that could be incorporated into their care plan in conjunction with the person and um, the people that are important to them 
And then when they had all these amazing facts and things, they could then pair it up and find out, you know, there might be somebody that loves horses, but actually didn't know that they actually rode a racehorse when they were younger. So it's about finding out these shared experiences. Um, so, yeah, lots of really kind of um, innovative things that people can do. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were saying then, doesn't it, about the commonalities, like you're saying, and just finding out, you know, about, which I think is really important because research shows us that that is one of the main reasons that people do form friendships and relationships, because they have those commonalities um, and things that make it more likely that they might get on, although there's obviously no guarantee because you can never tell who's going to get on with who, but, you know, it's more likely if you've got things in common. So, you know, maybe they were, you know, they were, they both they were both nurses or they lived in the same village or worked in the same place and you know I've seen some lovely examples of people who maybe hadn't seen each other for decades that had known each other in the past and then reconnected by finding themselves in the same care home or you know people who didn't know each other but they were they'd had those shared life experiences like maybe they'd lived in the same country overseas or something like that so yeah just reinforcing what you're saying really about you know staff finding out that information and then kind of you know thinking about how they can how they can actually use that to make sure that people are getting the most out of life yeah definitely and I suppose it's just about having that thoughtful intentional and kind of purposeful um, way you know that you can really start to create that culture of connection in the care home so that's just really been um, a taster of um, so many, you know, it's such an in-depth topic and I'm sure we could talk about it all day and it might be worth just highlighting that we've got a webinar which will be available to view on the Care Inspectorate's website. There'll be a link to that um, in the Visiting Meaningful Connection and Anne's Law page on our Care Inspectorate website. So if you would like to um, watch that in course and find out some more information about how staff can support positive peer relationships and care homes then it would be great if you could tune in there so we will say thank you for listening and we hope that you'll tune in to a further episode of our podcast on meaningful connection 